As if the McCrispy couldn't get any better, bacon and ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispy, available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. Ba da ba ba ba. He's going to throw it. Howard leaps. He has it. Touchdown, Carolina. Back from the dead to tie the game with two seconds to go. Snap back, spot down. The kick is cleanly away. It is good. And it's Warner <laughs> with yes, a 54-yard field goal. And how about them Tar Heels? They do it. Here's Kupak, gives off to Amos, and he's good, he's good, he's good, he's good, he's good, unbelievable, Jordan back to kick, it's blocked again, picked up, it'll be a touchdown, Carolina for Bracey Walker, he blocks his second punt, and scores his second touchdown of the season, it's 14-13, Mr. Jordan meet Mr. Walker. Bernard fields it at the 26. Heading to the far side. Gio at the 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Gio, he's going to take it for a touchdown. Are you kidding me? This is the Heel Tough Blog Podcast on Spreaker.com. Welcome into this edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. I'm Anthony Pagnotta. On this edition of the show, we sit down with Tar Heel Illustrated's Jacob Turner to chat a little bit about this National Signing Day class that the Tar Heels just brought in and who he thinks can have an impact early on and throughout their careers. We welcome in Jacob Turner of Tar Heel Illustrated. Jacob, how's it going today, man? Good, man. I appreciate you uh, having me on here, you know, uh... Getting ready for the holiday season. Obviously, Christmas coming up here, so it's a little bit of a hectic time of year. You know, Carolina football going on, uh, Carolina basketball going on. You're trying to get everything ready for Christmas as well. But I really appreciate you uh, clearing some time out of your day, man, to, to let me come on here and reaching out to me, man. It uh, means a lot. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, hey, man. Yeah, no, we appreciate having you on. You do a great job for Tar Heel Illustrated. And, uh, you know, the Christmas season started a little bit early for guys like us who are big into recruiting. And early signing day 2019 was a very successful one for the Tar Heels. Um, you know, I guess where we've got to start, I, I guess we'll just kind of go kind of like a timeline throughout the day. You know, we started early in the morning and uh, Tamari Fox, the defensive end from Sewanee, Georgia, the brother of Timon Fox, he was the first one that ended up committing out of all or ended up signing his letter of intent, actually, out of all of the players in the 2019 class. It was a little bit of a shock to start out the day because we had heard that Georgia Tech was all over him and Iowa was as well. But, you know, landing a guy like that, what do you think that does for the defensive line, um, you know, especially with all the guys that are departing this offseason? Yeah, I think I think getting Tamari Fox was a big signing for Carolina. I mean, obviously, uh, the brother of Timon Fox, you want to get guys like that for me. You know, Matt Brown's talked about a lot since he's come in about building this Carolina, Carolina family, kind of similar to what he had. Uh, back in the late 80s and early 90s when he was here, when you know Carolina was as, as successful as they've ever been in football. So I think getting Tamari, not only is he a great, great player, I'm not going to lie to you, 
I thought he was – I really thought he was Iowa-bound based on what I've been hearing. He, mm-hmm. he had taken an official visit late to Georgia Tech, I think a couple weeks before uh, signing day. So I was a little worried about that. And then, and then I wake up in the morning kind of saying, and I see Tamari's committed. And, and I'm just happy about that. I think he's a you know, 60, 250-pound guy. Like I said, related to Simone Fox, that's his brother. So you want to keep mm-hmm. that tight-knit family kind of group and, and hopefully encourage – going down the line, you know, more brothers and duos like that to come in and, and want to play at Carolina. You've also got the likes of Joffrey Brown, which I'm sure we'll talk about in a little bit, uh, brother of Deami Brown, who committed to Carolina as well and signed his LOI too. So it's just really exciting to get a guy like Tamari. I think he's got a lot of upside. And I also think if you would have asked me a month ago, maybe when Fedora was in charge, uh, I would have said I don't think Carolina's getting this guy. But right. Mac Brown and the new staff, Jay Bateman, uh, the new defensive co- co-defensive coordinator, I should say, uh, alongside Tommy Thigpen, have done a really good job of getting a guy, you know, Georgia and, and the Atlanta area is a hotbed for, for talent. So getting Tamari Fox is a big pickup for Carolina. And I think if he can be anywhere near as good of a, of a player as Timon, his brother, I think uh, Carolina's got a really, really good uh, commit here in Tamari. Yeah, one of the things that I saw from Mac Brown, I mean, he was, of course, going through all the guys – um, you know, one by one, something that really hasn't been seen and kind of breaking down every guy. And he said that Tamari was really one of the guys that they keyed in on because of his fit for Jay Bateman's defense in that 3-4 yeah. system. So um, I think that's going to be interesting to see just how that pans out. Well, you moved on then from Tamari Fox. You had an, an hour about um, until you moved on to 2019 offensive tackle Tristan Miller. And this was a big one for the Tar Heels to be able to flip his commitment of course, they had been on him for a while, but at one time he was committed to Wake Forest, ended up decommitting from them, but then committing to State. Now Carolina ends up getting him, and he's one of those offensive linemen. I watched his tape the other day, and this kid, while he maybe doesn't play at the highest level of high school football in the state because he is in the independent league um, in the state, but he, he, this kid is amazing. I mean, I love his size. I love his footwork. I love everything about what he can do in run blocking and in pass protection. You know, when you watch this young man, how early do you think he's going to be able to have an impact, and what type of impact will that be? Well, you, you mentioned his body size, and, and I think that's really has a lot to do with him. He's a 6'6", 275-pound guy. I mean, 6'6", offensive tackle. You'll take anybody like that in the country, no matter really how much how good they've proven to be already in high school. Just based on potential, you'll take a guy that's 6'6 six, six and 275. But the thing about Tristan Miller is he's also a really good player. He's a three-star product, um, a guy that's out of Charlotte. He's in-state. We were able to flip. Carolina was able to flip him from NC State, like you mentioned. And I think that's a big pickup. Not only is he going to be a good player, I think he has a chance over the next few years, especially with the likes of uh, William Sweet announcing today that he's going to go to the NFL draft. I think Tristan Miller has a chance next year to step in and get some significant minutes. I'm not sure he'll be a starter. I'm not sure he'll have a huge, huge role to play for the Tarios next season because Carolina is returning, you know, a lot of guys on that offensive line, which is a real plus side for them. But Tristan Miller down the line, I mean, when you look at a 6'6 guy at 275, not only is that what you see in a lot of these elite programs on the offensive line, you see big guys like that. That's what Matt Brown wants. He's talked about, he said it uh, on Wednesday at signing day. Someone asked him, hey, you know, what do you feel like this team really needs to strengthen that? And he said big men up front on both sides of the ball. And he also said cornerbacks and linebackers, which I think is a very, very fair assessment for what this Carolina defense defense needs. So you always want to get big guys on the offensive line, make no mistakes about that. But I was really excited to see Tristan Miller come in, especially when you can see him flip from you – know, he was committed to Wake Forest previously as well. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's just always good to get guys like that that have these connections to these uh, in-state programs 
and North Carolina and, and get him to, to come to Chapel Hill. So I think Tristan Miller picked up is, is one of the most underrated ones of the day just because, like I said, his body size is, is there and the potential this kid has to get even better is, is just outstanding. So I think Tristan Miller is a big pickup and, and another statement pickup from this new coaching staff, especially when you consider the fact that he's, he's an in-state guy too. There was a little bit of a layoff, uh, and you saw some guys, of course, that we knew were committed to the class. They ended up signing their letters of intent, but we end up heading into the afternoon, and that's where we got our second flip of the day and the biggest one. This one, one of the best quarterbacks that we've ever landed at the University of North Carolina, and you know, a guy that, for me, is you know a, a little bit special because I've been covering him for four years um, since he was a freshman in Sam Howell. Um, who plays right here in Monroe, North Carolina. You know, this kid is dynamic, and, and you were the first one that actually mentioned this. I have to give you credit. You had told me this, uh, or you had said, I think you had posted this during the Shrine Bowl, and we had a short little mm-hmm. conversation about it, that he reminded you of Baker Mayfield. And then, it really does, you huh? know, Matt comes out and says that in the mm-hmm. press conference. So the thing is, is how important is, is a guy like that to the success of an offense and then my question is, how does, you know, w- w- with Howell's mentality being like Baker Mayfield, how do you think that's going to fit Phil Longo's offense? Well, I think Sam Howell, like you mentioned, is a huge pickup for Carolina. I mean, mm-hmm. he's the second best player in the state. He's a, he's a top 300, ESPN top 300 guy. He's a quarterback, uh, the highest rated quarterback. I did a little research, I think. According to Rivals, he was the highest rated quarterback since uh, Mike Paulus back in 2007, who uh, his career obviously didn't pan out. Uh, like many people thought, he ended up transferring to William & Mary. But I know somebody that, that works with uh, 247 Sports had mentioned he was the highest quarterback pickup since Brent Renner, who had a, a really solid career, has gone on to have a good coaching career down with Butcher Davis at FIU. But the thing about Sam Howell is he is a, a quarterback, and not only a quarterback, he's just a prospect that you have to get if you mm-hmm. want to return to the place that Mac Brown keeps saying of controlling the state and controlling recruiting. And the fact that, you know, I think – even with Larry Fedora and his staff, I think Carolina still had a decent shot at flipping Hal. Right. I think Hal, Hal was looking for every reason he could to stay in state, mm-hmm. especially with the turmoil you see at FSU. They didn't have a great season last year for different reasons. And they lose Walt Bell, offensive coordinator, who goes to UMass. So I think things just kind of worked their way. The, the, things, the way things worked out, it just kind of happened that if you looked at it on paper, I mean, I think Sam Howe would have made a mistake by going to Florida State with all the questions they have. Carolina brings in the offensive coordinator uh, like Longo, who's who actually recruited him at Ole Miss. So he had a little bit of a relationship with him as well. Mm-hmm. And you know, Sam Howe's a guy. I'm going to say it on this podcast. I actually did a. I was talking to uh, one of my good friends. I do a pod, Carolina Talk podcast with his name. His name's Brandon too. We actually interns um, at the David Glenn Show uh, here in Raleigh. And he mentioned we had this conversation earlier today. But I really, really feel that Sam Howe might be the guy that Mac Brown rolls with from day one. And that's a bold statement because I think Jace Reuter and Kate Fortin, I think they're two guys that can start in a lot of teams, the majority of teams in the ACC. But the way that Mac Brown went after this guy, Sam Howe, I don't know what conversations went on behind the scenes, but there's a really there's an opening spot at Florida State as well. Francois, there's rumors that he might be headed to the league. Mm-hmm. And, and Sam Howe might have been the, you know in, in battling for a spot next year. As a starter at Florida State, and his chances arguably could have could have been better down there. When you look at the talent that Carolina has, you know Carolina's going to have three freshman quarterbacks next year, two redshirt guys, and a and a, and a true freshman in, in Sam Howell. And picking up Sam Howell, like I mentioned, was huge. 
But I'm going to say it on this on this thing right now, on this podcast right now. I think there's a legitimate shot that Sam Howell is the guy that, that Mac Brown says, hey, we're rolling with you from day one. I'm a new coach here. This is my program, and I'm going to roll with the guy that I feel like I recruited and I feel like this is going to give us the best shot to win because he really does have a lot of similar things to, to Baker Mayfield. And no way am I saying he's going to be half the player that Baker Mayfield was. I mean, he's a Heisman Trophy guy. I'm sure everybody at Carolina hopes he can do that. And I think the way we've seen mm-hmm. him play and, and how rated he is, he's got a shot at being a really, really good quarterback at Carolina. And just a huge pickup to sum it all up. And I would not be surprised at all to see how, uh, you know, starting a quarterback in Carolina's opening game in Charlotte next year. Yeah, no, I'm with you. And how, how great would that be for him to be able to open up mm-hmm. just about 30 minutes from where he played his high school football. I think the fit, like you said, is great, especially if he's got some of those Baker Mayfield-like talents. Because, look, yeah, you'll say, okay, at Oklahoma, maybe he didn't run an air raid offense, but I think people forget that early in his career he was at Texas Tech, and he was very successful in that air raid offense. And if that's the type of quarterback that Sam Howell's going to be, and trust me, I've seen it in games here in the local area where he just has to take over because simply the talent around him wasn't quite on the same level as him. They weren't quite as effective running the football as maybe they would have liked the last couple of years at Sun Valley High School. And so when he had to take over games, he was still extremely successful. I mean, he did it in the game uh, last year in the state semifinal against uh, A.C. Reynolds High School up in Asheville. I was actually up there covering it, and it was a game where they just really couldn't run the football that much, and he just knew it's my time to take over. Um, one of the things to kind of watch out for from him, though, and this is one of the reasons that I compared him to Mitch Trubisky a little bit, he's sneaky athletic, and of course, you know, with the big arm, that's that's going to draw maybe some comparisons as well, but Honestly, you know, the quiet demeanor about him. I mean, this is not a guy that's really flashy, and and he could be if he really wanted to because he is a borderline five-star recruit. He went out to the Elite 11 camp out in California with Trent Dilfer. So Mm -hmm. this guy knows that he's a good player, trust me. But at the same time, he remains humble. He's a guy that just, you know, knows he's trying to elevate his game every time he's out there. So it's going to be interesting to see what the fit is like in line goes offense mainly just how quickly he can pick up on everything you know the technicalities in his offense but this is a guy that ran a pretty complex offense in high school he ran a lot of RPOs because he was that advanced so don't yeah I'm with you don't be shocked if he's the guy that's out there when we start the season so um you know when you look back on the other guys that of course signed their letter of intent everybody else what was pretty much expected, 16 guys that signed their letter of intent, you know, who were the guys, you know, I say give me like uh, two or three maybe that stick out to you on paper um, that you say, okay, these guys could maybe come in and make early impacts or maybe not maybe not early impacts, but potentially impacts at some point in their career at Carolina. Yeah, that's a good question. I think when I look at this list of, of the 16 other guys, I mean, obviously like Sam Howell's got the opportunity to come in, like we mentioned, to have a really huge impact on this program with the high, as, as highly rated as he is. He's going to be kind of the man to watch for next year and a, and a guy that a lot of fans are really just going to fall in love with based on kind of everything you said, his demeanor. Mm-hmm. He's a quiet guy, but he's also very, very good at what he does. But I think the, the biggest guy for me that I was happy with uh, to see coming in and a guy that I think can really have a big impact it is Chaffrey Brown, Deami Brown's brother, you know, mm-hmm. four-star guy. Um, out of Charlotte, North Carolina again. And, and for me, Choffrey, he's a guy that is very, very similar to his brother. I think De- Deami had a, a little bit of a 
I went, he didn't have a bad season as a true freshman this year, but he, he kind of underperformed for me, and it wasn't down to him. I've talked about it a lot. I just don't think Carolina, and this is no disrespect to Nathan Elliott, I just don't think Carolina had a guy last year, a quarterback, that could get the weapons, the ball that they needed to. I think that's why you saw um, Carolina play so much better when Fortin and Reuter went in there for those limited amounts of time. But the thing about Choffrey Brown is if you really put him and Diami's tape side by side, they're, they're almost identical. They're two very fast guys. Two super athletic, lengthy guys. I mean, he's only 6'1", 170. Probably, probably weighs a little bit more than that, but um, he doesn't look like that. He looks like he's a 6'3 guy with the, his wingspan and his, just his lengthiness. So I think Chauffeur Brown's a guy that, especially with Carolina losing, um, you know, a couple of wide receivers, Thomas Jackson, Anthony Rat- Ratliff-Williams going to the league, uh, or trying to go to the league, I think that Chauffeur Brown's a guy that can really come in and, and make that instant impact. And like I mentioned earlier with uh, Tamari Fox and Simone Fox, I just really like that that element of having guys that are brothers that aren't too far apart. Mm-hmm. You know, it's crazy to think Diami and Chaffrey. Uh, Diami's going to be a sophomore, and Chaffrey's going to be a true freshman. How close those guys are together, and how close in talent they are as well. So, I really like that dynamic of bringing in a guy like that. And I think Chaffrey Brown has a really good. Uh, based on what I've seen on tape, you know, he's playing in Charlotte, one of the best areas for college football on the East Coast, in my opinion. And I think that Chaffrey Brown has the ability to come in and do some good things. You also look at the likes of. Of Josh Henderson, and I will say I was a little bit surprised at, at what Mac Brown had to say about Josh Henderson. You mentioned it earlier about mm-hmm. him kind of going through the tape on signing day, which is a really, really cool thing. But Mac Brown, you know, Josh Henderson's a guy, if you don't know, recruiters are running back out of New Jersey. Uh-huh. Um, but he, Mac Brown mentioned the fact that he plays both ways uh, for his high school. And, you know, it was crazy to think that Brown was pretty much saying – or kind of alluded to the fact that you might see Josh Henderson play on the defensive side of the ball for Carolina. Right, and, I did see that. Yeah, yeah and it was it was interesting to see that. And I think Josh Henderson is really the, I guess at this point, probably the third highest rated guy. Um, him and Chaffrey Brown are both four stars, and then you got Sam Howell's just a little is a four star low, which is a little bit in front of them. Josh Henderson's a guy that freak athlete, a really good running back, and is also a really good. A defensive player. I can't remember if he plays corner or, or linebacker. He plays one of those positions. I can't remember off the top of my head, but I think Henderson's a guy that has been committed to Carolina for a while. He was committed when Larry Fedora was here for a while and didn't even waver uh, when when the new staff took over. I think the new staff kind of prioritized him, and I'm sure um, very soon after they took over, that's one of the first guys they called because of his talent. So I think Josh Henderson's a guy that I think he has an ability to make an instant impact. I don't know if he'll do it on the running back side to mm-hmm. start out, just because Carolina is, is loaded at running back next year uh, with the likes of uh, Michael Carter, Antonio Williams, Jordan Brown, and even Javante Williams. So this this Carolina running back core is stacked. So don't be surprised to see him not get a lot of minutes at running back. Right. But if Mac Brown is is kind of alluding, if it ends up happening uh, based on what kind of he's alluding to, um, then you might see Josh Anderson play on the defensive side of the ball next year as well. And I think it'll regardless will be a big special teams player and one more guy i will mention that i'm really kind of excited to see um come in might be a guy that a lot of people wouldn't think of but i think wyatt Tanall was another really good pickup for mm-hmm. carolina he's a guy he's a two-star recruit he's not heavily recruited he ended up flipping from appalachian state obviously with uh satterfield living leaving for louisville up there kind of gave him a little more of an incentive but i think Tanall was looking for every reason kind of like how to come to carolina and this coaching staff really prioritized, excuse me, him when he came mm-hmm. in, uh, when they came in as well. So, but the reason I think uh, Tanala's got a really uh, good chance of making an impact is, man, I love guys kind of like Tristan Miller who got that six six frame, and he's six six two seventy. He's literally right. on rivals 
pretty much the same um, height and weight as as Tristan Miller. And I just love when you get guys like that at the offensive line. I remember before I stop talking real quick. I remember um, back in 2016, I was in the Georgia Dome for the the um, the year that Trubisky it was his first year as a starting quarterback. Carolina ended up losing that game to open the year, but I remember. Uh, there's two things I remember. That was the loudest game I've ever been to, football game I've ever been to. But also, the just how big Georgia's offensive line was was incredible. Right. And most of those guys, if you look at that roster, six six, six five, six seven guys. And Mac Brown, as you can tell, he's prioritizing those big bodies to come in. You've also got the likes of Asim Richards, who's a six five guy that Carolina got as well at the offensive right. line. So if you look at this thing, man, it's crazy to think that Mac Brown in his first class brings in three offensive linemen that are 6'5", 6'6", and 6'6". That shows the intent he wants. He's talked about getting big guys at the O-line and defensive line positions. And, and he, he's, he's practicing what he preaches, bringing those three guys in as well. But, I mean, really to answer your question, uh, those three guys I think have a good chance. But I think there's a lot of question marks about this class uh, because I don't think it's – by no means, and I, I'm sure you would agree, Anthony, it's not a great class, but – Right. What Mac Brown was able to do in the, in the less than a month he was there, uh, you know, dropping Carolina from up in the 80s to, to now in the looks like a 42nd team rating at Rivals is just a it's just a really big accomplishment for him and his new staff. So got to give credit to them. But uh, this this recruiting class going into 2020 is just going to get even better and, and better. And I'm excited to see what Mac Brown is able to do at Carolina, especially with his ability to recruit. Yeah, I mean, it might not be the greatest class uh, that we've ever brought in numbers-wise, but at the same time, you know, a guy I like, Giovanni Biggers, the safety, I think he could come in, have a little bit of an early impact because there are going to be some depth concerns, really just more experienced depth concerns at the safety position. Um, I think he just he flies around the field. Um, one of the things that Mac Brown said about him yesterday was he really likes his fit with Jay Bateman's uh, defense. He's a guy that's just really a gap filler, and uh, he also plays the football very well. Um, same thing with Storm Duck, which I found kind of interesting considering he only had one career interception in high school. He said this was a guy that played the football really well. Even if he doesn't end up racking up those interception numbers like people would like, you know, we've seen these guys come in before that have been really effective and really haven't put up great interception numbers. MJ Stewart is the guy that comes to mind right yeah. off the bat, and you know, Storm Duck, I, I watched his highlight tape, and that was a guy that I thought was fantastic, especially because most of the time he was in press man coverage, which is really hard for a lot of high school corners to be able to play effectively. And he did it almost the entire season at Boiling Springs High School. And then one of the last ones that I'll uh, throw out there, and this one will probably be a little bit of an interesting one, would be the punter Ben uh, Kiernan, because... You know, really, we're not going to have a guy going into next season at that position that's going to be experienced. And, uh, you know, the one thing that I saw from Kernan on tape really is just the consistency. And that's something that they kind of lacked with Hunter Lent last season. Don't get me wrong. Hunter Lent had his moments where he was really good. But I think Kernan might be that guy that can maybe, you know, elevate that punting game back to where they need it to be from, you know, those days of Tom Sheldon. So we'll, we'll see. But uh, the last question I'll ask you, and then I'll get you out of here because I know you got to run and I got to run as well. Um, we, we got the, uh, you know, two guys that have declared for the NFL draft. Of course, Anthony Ratliff-Williams, as you mentioned, and then today William Sweet ends up declaring. You know, with those two guys going to the NFL – how do you think the Tar Heels are going to try to fill those roles? Are some of these freshmen going to be the guys that can step in there? Or who are some of the other guys that you're keeping an eye on potentially step in in those roster spots? Yeah, that's a, that's a 
great question. And, and I mentioned the likes of, of potentially Wyatt Tunnel uh, uh, coming in there. Tristan Miller, I think, has got a really good shot mm-hmm. uh, coming in there and getting some in some significant minutes. Because, I mean, William Sweet was, in my opinion, I would probably say he's Carolina's best offensive lineman. Um, he's a guy that has played some really – he's been in Carolina for a few years now. He has done some really good things. He's kind of played since he got there. And it was disappointing to see him go. I hope he, you know, wishing the best going forward. But I think Carolina's depth at the offensive line right now is good. They've got a lot of guys down there that can play at the ball. They had a lot of guys who, who played offensive line last year because they just had to rotate because of some injuries and whatnot. But I think losing William Sweet is definitely it, – it'll hurt Carolina a little bit. But if you would have asked me, you know, what position can Carolina afford to lose guys at based on what, what what's on their current roster and based on what they brought in, offensive line would have been one of my first positions I would have said. So, you know, William Sweet, like I said, a guy that's really good. I think he's going to have a a solid NFL career. I think he's going to get a shot. I'm not sure if he'll get drafted, maybe late, but I think he's definitely going to have a shot to make a team and and have a a solid NFL career because he's really, he is a very good offensive lineman. But you talk about Anthony Ratliff-Williams as well. I think Anthony Ratliff-Williams was a guy that, you know, 2017, he kind of had his breakout year. He really impressed me on a Carolina team that, I mean, I'm not going to sugarcoat it, was not very good, but he was the shining light on that team. Right, and then, right. You know, he's obviously a guy that came in 2015 and then moved from quarterback to wide receiver. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, this year I, I was a little disappointed in Anthony Ratliff-Williams. Like I said, I think a lot of problems on Carolina's offense, I don't want to put it all in the quarterback. I just don't think they had a guy with a big enough arm at times in Nathan Elliott to get – the playmakers consistently give him the ball consistently. Right, so it limited Anthony, the playbook. You're right, you're right. Yeah, exactly. And I think Anthony Ratliff-Williams kind of suffered from that. He had a few good uh, catches this year and a few good moments. Uh, his kickoff return game and his, his special teams game went down a little bit. I mean, I'm sure a lot of that, you, know, you don't see a lot of returns in college football anyway nowadays with all the rule changes, but he didn't have the greatest year, in my opinion, as a playmaker and as a guy that was out there making things happen. But if you go back and watch the tape, like I've mentioned, a lot of those balls were 50-50 balls that Nathan Elliott was just kind of throwing up there and hoping Anthony Ratliff would go get. And I'd say 60-70% of the time he does that. So I think Anthony Ratliff-Williams is a guy that is going to be missed, especially with the likes of Carolina having three really good quarterbacks back there. I'm always a little bit surprised to see him leave, but he ended up getting his degree and, and wants to move on to the next step, so I can't hate on that. But like I mentioned, I think Chaffee Brown's got an opportunity to come in. But Carolina's already got weapons at the wide receiver position, man, if you think about right. it. And De'Ami Brown, Antoine Green obviously got hurt uh, right. in that Syracuse game, but he's going to be back next year. He was a four-star, highly rated guy, another uh, commit that Carolina stole from Florida State as well. So, you know, I think you, you combine those two guys, I think they're going to come in and really do some nice things and kind of re- replace those guys. I think Toe Groves, mm-hmm. the amount of injuries he's battled yeah. with, man, I really think he's going to have it coming out near ne- next year. He has did some all right things. He didn't get as much playing time as I would have liked to see him. Like I said, a lot of that comes down to Carolina just not having a, a system to get the, their playmakers the balls. But I think he's gonna has the opportunity to, to have a really solid year uh, next year. Even got Justin Olsen, the guy out of Charlotte, a uh, wide receiver that Carolina got in this class out of Huntersville, North Carolina. Uh, 6'2 guy that I think is kind of an underrated guy. He was unrated mm-hmm. before he committed to Carolina. And then as soon as he signed, he moved up to a two-star. I think he's a three-star uh, 247 sport. So Olsen's a guy that I think that – when you look at this Carolina roster, you probably agree with me and the recruits they brought in. Carolina's got plenty of depth at the wide receiver position. Right. So I think you never want to lose guys like Sweet. You never want to lose guys like Ratliff Williams because they are two of Carolina's better players. But looking at them, looking at the wide receiver position, the offensive line position, there's two positions I would pick to lose guys at. I think Carolina 
can can do that and can afford to lose those guys and still have a, a really good year at, at those positions next year. So unfortunate losses, but you know, wish him the best going forward. Yeah, that's uh, Jacob Turner, guys, from Tar Heel Illustrated. This dude does a fantastic job covering Tar Heel football, basketball, all the sports out there. Hey, man, uh, I got to run uh, really quickly, and I know you got to run as well. So thanks for doing this, and we're going to have to talk to you down the line. This was fantastic. Most definitely, man, and I appreciate you, and I've had the opportunity to read a lot of your stuff and listen to these, this stuff you've been doing as well, man. And nothing but positive words to say that you do some really good work as well, man, and I, I wish you the best going forward. I'll definitely try to get you on one of my podcasts here in the future, man, and hopefully I can get back on this one soon, dude. But, Anthony, I really appreciate you having me on here, man, and, and I enjoyed uh, the conversation we had. All right, man. I appreciate it. You take care, okay? Thanks, man. You too. So that's going to do it for this edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. I want to thank Jacob Turner for stopping by, and we will definitely have to be getting him on sometime down the line to continue these types of conversations. As always, you guys can subscribe to the podcast on Spreaker, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn.com, or the TuneIn app. Check out the blog where we recap the 2019 early signing class for the Tar Heels, which according to 24-7 Sports currently ranks 36th in the country and 6th in the ACC. Rivals.com has the class ranked at 42nd overall and 7th in the ACC, and ESPN has it ranked 47th overall and 9th in the ACC, so a little bit all over the board, but overall, for a class that within all of the scouting and recruiting boards was ranked in the 90s just a couple of weeks ago, Mac Brown really did a fantastic job to scramble and put this class together. So, that's going to do it for this edition. I want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels! Yeah!